Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Well, hello. My name is Matt Mott. This is College Soccer Nation. I'm here with Chris Petroselli. And season two is upon us, Chris. Here we go. Let's kick it off. College Soccer Nation season two. Super excited to be part of it, to be back. The investors invested and the all the people spoke and they wanted us back in season two. You know, not every podcast, every show, Chris, makes season two. You know, some people get cut. They don't yeah. get past the pilot. We're into season two. And needless to say, our, our um, advertising numbers are off the roof. Yes. And uh, yeah. we're cruising. killing it. We, we are killing it. But it's it's great to be back. I'm excited for this show. I think we got a got a fantastic show uh, coming up. So uh, it's a good day. Yeah, let's get to it. So I have to tell the listeners right from the beginning, I am in the Beeman Hotel in downtown, beautiful Dallas, Texas. Why am I here, Chris? Well, we got the big match tomorrow. We've got uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, otherwise known as the Fighting Matt Mots, uh, <laughs> and the uh, the Ole Miss Air Raid, as you, you called it. Oh, the Air Raid. Yes. Yeah, the right. Ole Miss Air Raid in town to play the uh, SMU ground game. <laughs> um, <laughs> ground and a friendly, friendly preseason match. Yes, excited about it. We've played a couple times. It's always been good, always a really good match. And uh, we're excited to be in Dallas. It's a nice uh, – we drove in yesterday. I got to take this. That's a drive, though. And I know why you won't ever come play us. It's a drive too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. It was every bit of eight and a half hours. Whew, it's long. But we're on sleep. It's, a, it's 107 degrees, uh, 107, 107 degrees today. So you picked a good day for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> we are smack dab in the middle of preseason as every other college team in the country is. And uh, we decided we'd make this, uh, you know, for us, we wanted to find a really good, um, you know, not a preseason game. Yeah. And we start looking and drawing a kind of a circle or a diameter around um, Oxford, uh, it, it gets tough to play a good game, a good, a good team very close to us that we aren't already playing, right? We, right. we play all the make good teams as we can uh, close to us. So to, you were very gracious in allowing us to come here to Dallas. So we're excited about that. But how is preseason going for you, Chris? I think it's going well so far. I mean, I think, you know, I, I was thinking um, back to sort of the uh, evolution of the preseason period, you know, um, back when when I was a player and um, so you're going way back. You're going way we're, back. No, we're going way back. We're going way back. Yeah. Uh, when we were we would just run until you drop. You know mm -hmm. that was kind of the deal. And yeah. you know you didn't have you you weren't and, and and even you know over maybe even the last ten years or so it's evolved even more. You know where we now have players in summer school and and things like that. But it used to be you got to get everybody in shape. You got to get everybody in shape. You brought everybody in, you ran a Cooper test, you uh, trained three times a day, everybody got hurt and, uh, you know, but it was survival of the fittest at that point. But I think we've gotten, we've all gotten a lot smarter about it with all of the different monitoring systems that are out there and wearables. And, you know, I think a lot of people have, have moved on from the Cooper test and now it seems like a lot of people are running a beep test, but there's still people out there running Cooper tests, I think. And, sure. uh, um, 
but I, I'm sure they're, you know, everybody has different versions of, uh, of what they do. And then, you know, this is the first preseason that I've had where I've had three, three preseason matches. And we did that on purpose because we didn't really play any matches, you know, this past year. And, uh, and we have no, no um, double, double days. We, you know, any session we have is, is a standalone, only one on the day. So it's a little different, a little unique for us, especially with the games, you know, that are in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, you go back to the Cooper test, you know, you and I have spent God hours, right. Talking about fitness testing and how neither one of us really much for the fitness <laughs> testing. Right. And, but it's a necessary evil, right. You have to have, you have to have a standard, you have to figure out something. And, you know, the Cooper test for years and years and years, and, and probably for some people still, which I yeah. get it, it is a mental test as much as a physical test. You certainly have to have a physical capacity to it. You know, I've seen guys be able to, to uh, you know, run it and throw up after. And I'm not necessarily sure how fit they are, but they have the mental guts to push through it. You know, we've seen people wet themselves, I think, running it just because they're pushing so hard. And, yeah, I mean, it's really been ama- it's an amazing test. And then you bring the beep test in, which is, like you said, maybe a little more modern and um, people have different standards and different levels and, you know, the fitness test, fitness test, fitness test. So, you know, I think you do get to a point in your program where if you have players coming back that aren't fit, they're not going to help you. Because they're they're gonna get, yeah. Right, they're gonna get, yeah, you're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt or, um, you know, they're just not going to be good enough and so on and so forth. So it's really interesting to me. I think modern day player has to be fit. Um, and if they're not, they're not going to help you quite honestly. And that's the, uh, you know, the beauty of this, uh, the rule change that allowed us to bring them to summer school. That's right. Right. And, and, and you, you certainly have, you know, I think most people are bringing them in, you know, around the 1st of July and mm-hmm. giving yourself maybe four or five weeks where it's mostly fitness training, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some people bring them in even earlier, you know, some people bring sure. them in June, but for me, that's, uh, you know, June until, November is a, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, so we, we do bring them in July. I think you probably, I know you guys do the same, mm-hmm. um, but it does give them a chance to, to get some fitness so that we don't have to waste a lot of time on fitness yeah. come August. Well, and acclimate and get, get in, especially for the freshmen. It's great, but you know, it's really interesting, Chris, I go back to my Auburn days and I'll never forget talking to Karen and we were, we were, um, you know, Florida was bringing their guys in, in in the summer. And I was like, that's crazy. What are they thinking? They're going to hate each other by the end of the year. This is so stupid. They're going to be hurt, all this kind of stuff. And now look at, we all bring them in early. We all do it. Yeah, we, we, we all, all bring them in early. But again, evolution, evolution yes. of the season, yeah. evolution of the game, evolution of the player. That to me is maybe more than anything. These players are used to playing year round um, and they can, they can certainly handle it. But um, yeah, no, preseason for us is going well. It's, it's different though, Chris. It's it's really different. Like we've talked about, we've joked about, we bring back every player, every goal, every 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 starter we bring back. Most of the guys have played every, you know, goal we scored, every save, every assist. So to me, it's like, and I've talked to a couple people, I've talked to Brian about it, I'm sure he'll weigh in. It was like we just had a break and then we're back at it because everybody's back. It's so strange. Yeah. We're starting at a farther point for sure. But I don't know what what it really means. I think complacency is a word that I'm worried about with our team and and some of those things where, you know, it's almost like you just want to get to the end of the season and, and you have to go through the process of getting the team together and we have eight new players. So it's definitely different, um, you know, and 
And um, I know we'll get into some of the COVID stuff and that stuff later, but yeah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange preseason for sure. But the evolution is something. Well, you know what's you know what's interesting, Matt, is you know, um, looking around, and and you know, we we just got sort of a preseason prospectus for a league for each of the teams, and 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 looking at teams around the country, um, everybody's got everybody coming back, yeah, right, because of, of that COVID year that everybody got, so. You know, you've, we all feel pretty good about our teams because, you know, we're looking at, we got, hey, we got a bunch of seniors and, you know, we got we got a bunch of upperclassmen and all these kids coming back and, and all that. But so does everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, be interested to see how it plays out. Absolutely. Well, good. Um, I got to tell you one funny story. Well, okay. you know what? I'll let Brian come in first and I'll tell him he'll enjoy it as well. All right, let's put him in. So, uh, yes, the big deal is back with us for season two. He did, he, Chris, he did resign his contract. It did take us up until, I think it was. Tough negotiation. Day, two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> two days Tough ago. Tough negotiation. Yeah, right. Right. The guy him signed, um, you know, there was some discussion about changing the name from the big deal, but he is going to stick with that. That costs us a little bit of money, but we're certainly happy to bring in the head, head uh, coach of the Rice Owls, I mean, I never do actually say his name usually, but Brian Lee <laughs> is here with us. Brian, welcome into season two of College Soccer Nation. Well, yeah, really the, the negotiations was all over the name change. I was only coming back on if we're going with uh, Rico and Marty or something <laughs> of the like. So I'm glad you two both agreed to, to uh -huh. work on that. And uh, here we are. Yes, yes. Um, Brian, I got to tell you guys both a story that you'll enjoy. I forgot to tell it the last time we were on in the summer. So I um, traveled a lot this summer, right? I was going up to see my mom um, here in July, like I usually do to get myself kind of mind right for the season. Well, as you guys know, travel has been difficult this summer with, with uh, the airlines. I was flying American and I flew in and I was my flight was late and I was just going to be a hard time catching my connection. So I had seven minutes from when we landed to when my other one was, 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 you know, loading or whatever. So I am, now just picture this, those of you that have never seen me, I'm a little bit bigger fella. Um, I have my backpack on, I have my CPAP strapped around me, which is like a medical bag, Chris. Yeah. And I am running through the Charlotte airport. Now, you know, back in the day, I was a high level athlete, but nowadays, maybe not the same level of athlete I once was at 51 years old. So I'm running through the airport. And I'm on like one of those uh, people movers. So yeah. I'm like banging into people with my bag. I'm trying to get by him, you know. <laughs> and this one guy yells, keep going, big man. You got it. You got it. You got it. You can get there. So anyway, I did, I did make it, Chris. I did make it. Well, with his encouragement. I mean, you would have made it without him. You know, but that's the thing. People are, you know, Sarah Barnes used to say this. Travel brings out the, travel brings out the worst in people. But that guy on that day was exactly what I needed to get yeah. through. I really appreciated it. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's it's like you know the, the people who are cheering the marathon runners. You're yeah, not quite a marathon runner, but you, you know I'm not. But you know. I'm still, I'm still giving it my best effort. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, how's uh, going? Oh, I'm envisioning a little more Kevin James and Mall Cop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Paul Blart. That's the, the, oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about right. All right, Brian, how's your preseason going? 
that's going just fine. We're staying healthy so far. You know, I always think that's the biggest goal coming out of uh, preseason or, you know, it's really not preseason. We have two weeks. Preseason is like the summer. Um, so being healthy is the biggest goal. And so far, regardless of how we're doing a training, we're healthy. So let's call it positive for sure. And Brian does sound like he's on his car phone. He too is en route to, uh, to Dallas. We're all having a big old, big old party here in Dallas. And he's going on to play uh, TCU, right, Brian, coming up tomorrow? That's right. That's right. Uh, that's, uh, we're stepping right back into it with uh, a really good team and a really well-coached team. And by the end of tomorrow night, we'll, we'll certainly know where, where our strengths and weaknesses lay uh, on what's tomorrow, August 10th. Yep. Yep. Good. All right. So, anything else on preseason, Chris? You good with that? I'm good with that. Sounds good. Let's let's right. get it going. Yeah, I I had a clip that I couldn't figure out how to put in here, but I wanted to put a clip in from our summer um, show we had in July, where Chris very much took a stand, which he doesn't usually do, but took a stand on how great the U.S. women were and how no one could compete with them. And they were going to walk through the Olympics, and it was going to be no problem, and no one could compete with them. It went on and on and on. And then Brian jumped in. Oh yeah, Chris, I agree. There's nobody to compete with them. And, well, here we are. Isn't Wait, what, and what did Matt do? It's grand. What did Matt do while that discussion? I, he didn't, was I, I hadn't had that kind of feeling. I hadn't done this research on all over the country of all these teams they were going to play, but I felt like Canada was a good team. Oh yeah, <laughs> we never heard that. We never heard that. I think I said that. I I, I got to tell you, I stand by my words. What happened? I still think. I still think they had the most talent. Um, they had the best team. Um, but they didn't perform, right? And 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 why didn't they perform? Well, we all have theories, and and uh, you know, none of us were in the middle of it. You know, to really know, but I'll share my thoughts on on um, what I think could have happened. Um, I look at that group. There's so many good players and 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 so deep, um, and they're thoroughbreds, and they got to run. And I feel like they had the reins on them a little bit. You know, they were they were pulled back a little bit um, and trying to play maybe a little bit uh, a little bit too tactical. You know, and and the history of the women's national team is. You know, they, they come from Anson's mentality, right, of I'm just going to kill you. I'm not trying to win one nil. or I'm not just trying to win. We're not just trying to get a draw. I'm trying to win nine nil, right? And, and I think that that mentality still exists. And, and we saw that when the, I think the reins were taken off in the, in the bronze medal game, when all of a sudden the goals started flowing and, you know, the, the attacking was there and all of that. But you didn't see that much, much early on. And I, I just think they were they they were uh, held back just a little bit, um, and and couldn't really adjust to playing that way. Hmm. Ryan, your thoughts? Um, you know, more than anything, I think we've been waiting for a good a good group of them to kind of show their age, and it just hadn't happened. And we did so well at the World Cup. Um, years ago and then things had started so well for Vladko and no one had really looked a step slow and then I thought the Olympics started and we looked a step slow uh, and not just one player I thought the middle of defense was clearly not athletic enough 
Um, and then some of our attacking players, when you take away top-end athleticism, we're really not that tactical and not that uh, nuanced. That's why everybody likes Rose Lavelle because, you know, she can break down a drop back line and, you know, do some creative things in the final third. And um, she's really the only player who's got that in her, in her tool bag. And then for me, that was the, if there was a shocking part of it, it was that I just did. I didn't think we looked elite athletic at that level. Obviously they're all really athletic and we would, we would love them to be on any of our college teams and to be the most athletic kids we have. But um, for that level, I, I thought we just kind of got old all together in one tournament and happy we ended up with the bronze with the way it looked early on. Chris, with you, you know, the age that you are, have been and in, in the age that you are and the amount of time you spent with the, the uh, U.S., you know, um, Olympic World Cup teams, whatever, soccer, U.S. soccer. Have, do you remember a time where we've gone through something like this with that kind of age issue or the team struggled like this or – Again, I mean, you, you know, you go back to the beginning of, of, of the U.S. national team, really, right? Do you remember right. us dealing? Well, no, you always have it, right? I mean, you always have, you always have uh, players that are, that are aging out, and you always, you know, you remember Greg Ryan was sort of in, in, in as national team coaches. Some of that was taking place. There was, you know, always difficult, difficult decisions that have to be made. Um, Jill went through it some too, right? I mean, uh, you know, she went through it some with, with Abby, like, you know, how do we deal with an aging uh, Abby Wambach? And, and um, so I think, you know, you're always going to have some of that. We do have maybe a few more right now. Um, but I, you know, I, I still, I, I think, I don't know. I, I still take Carly Lloyd on my team. I, I know she's older and all that kind of stuff. I'd still take her on my team. You know, I still think that she's able to play at a high level and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not totally bought into it's, it's just the age factor, although for some of them, it, it, it certainly looked like it. Um, but I do think that it's, it's a, it, you know, every cycle you have these, you know, these players that, you know, maybe it's time, it's time to move on and, and maybe it's time to move in some of the younger ones. Well, let's put yourself in black coat shoes. Yeah. Both of you, this question for both of you guys. Yeah. What would you do? What would be your biggest takeaway? And what would be the biggest thing you'd want to change going into getting ready for the World Cup in two years? You want me to go first? Sure. I, I agree with Brian. I think we have to find uh, um, some more speed in the center of the back. Um, I'd like to see us be a little bit better uh, overall in the back. I think um, you know, on, on one side, um, and Crystal Dunn is a, a really good athlete, but I don't know that she's a great soccer player. And on the other side, I think O'Hara maybe maybe ended up there just because we didn't have many other options. So I think we got to do some work in the back for sure. Um, I think that that midfield group is relatively young and, and uh, talented, and, and I don't know that they played their best. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that group. And then certainly there are going to be some changes up. 
certainly you're gonna you're gonna have some changes up front. Um, and there are some players waiting in the wings. Certainly, you know, we've talked many times about Macario as being somebody who's ready to step in and and really become a, a huge factor on that team. So I think there are some players there, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Brian? Oh, well, Vlogto's got to choose his players and and figure out how to age out the influential older players politically within the team and outside the team. I mean, he came in at a really, really hard time with we overachieved in the World Cup. A lot of these players we're talking about being on the older side now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let, me like, stop you for a minute. Let me stop you for a minute. Overachieved in the World Cup. So you didn't feel like we were the best team? I didn't feel like we were the best team necessarily coming into the World Cup. At the World Cup, we were clearly the best team. Um, no. And we, I, I would have guessed we were aging out then. So I thought we got great performances from some of the older players. Um, I thought the goalkeeping was outstanding at the World Cup. And I didn't overly expect that to happen. And then in the Olympics, we really, we looked more like I thought we were going to look at the World Cup. Um, so, but he, so he was in an impossible spot. What's he going to do? Drop Rapino, drop Alex Morgan, drop Charlie Lloyd, drop Becky Sauerbrunn coming off the world cup. That's impossible. Drop Kelly O'Hara. Um, you know, and we all see Macario. I think she dressed for one game at the Olympics. So I'd like to know more about that. You know, they added the players, but I think they could only dress 18 still at each game. So, you know, for me, Lynn Williams was probably our best forward um, at the Olympics. So how does that turnover happen um, in the, in the preparation cycle before the next world cup? Really, really big job because the world has certainly caught us. And I thought they caught us before the last world cup and we kind of stemmed that off. And, and now where do we go from here is going to be really, really interesting um, when you've got four or five, six countries that are right there level with us at worst. You know what? Um, so you've got uh, a big job. Yeah. And, and you know what, what, what I found interesting was I, 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 every event, every Olympic or World Cup event that the U.S. women have been in, they got better as the tournament went on. They, they continued to get better and better and better. You know, they've, they've, they've lost games before. I mean, you know, they've not always gone gone through easy, right? Um, but you know, I don't know that this team did that. I don't, I don't know that this team did that, and I don't know if, you know, maybe that first Australia game where we, you know, we sat in a little bit and and, and didn't want to expend too much energy, which I understand from a tactical standpoint, um, but maybe that that sort of stopped that. Uh, that growth that, you know, that typically is there for the team. Because um, I, I, I don't remember a, a U.S. team that didn't get better as a tournament went on. Well, maybe, Chris. You... I, I think part of it. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Well, part of that, I think he was forced into a rotation policy partially because of the age of the team. Yes. So, you know, developing that rhythm and getting better game to game without – clear role clarity is really hard um and that's a and hard to you know get better game to game when the players don't know how many minutes 
and I'm sure he's telling them before the game, but because they're all older, they had a rotation policy. I mean, their, their games were played six. You know, that's, that's an interesting, um, you know, just idea of how's the team going to develop when, when you're rotating that many players right. That's right. Uh, and you're not a college team. I mean, you're not North Carolina trying to run us all into the ground. Right. Um, it's real soccer. So, um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting, interesting spot he's been thrown into. No question. Well, hopefully Chris can, uh, you know, my hope is that Chris is able to, uh, you know, effort him and get him on the show. We can ask him some of these questions. I just, yeah, he wouldn't be, be a good option for podcasts. I think he would be a good option for podcasts. Yeah. I think he would. Um, all right, let's move on, Brian. Kind of last topic for you is um, our good friend, Mr. COVID. Mm. Give us the Houston. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I think everywhere in the South, the, if you believe what you read and what you're told, the emergency rooms are full. Um, the Delta variant is highly contagious and vaccinated people are testing positive. So just like the New York Yankees, if the college soccer teams are going to test or more importantly, probably in the reality of college athletics, if SEC football is going to test, um, and hold out positive kids it seems pretty dire uh, in terms of getting a full slate of games in. With the only hope being that Delta variant moves pretty quick. If you follow the track of Europe, which has been a month or two ahead of us in all of this, it's kind of a hit and run. So hopefully by October, we're on the backside of it. But it's very different than last, last, I guess, full year of trying to play where the competitive equity, everybody was testing. Now competitive equity is just going to be based on do you test or not? Because everybody who tests is going to have kids hit positive. Well, SEC football, I can tell you, they have, the SEC has passed it all on to the universities. So it's the university's decisions. And I don't, I don't think it's university's decisions. I think it's the state's decisions on how they move forward. The state health department, I think, has the final say in how people do things. So it's not the SEC choice anymore. Yeah, I think we're all in trouble. <laughs> I think it's it's scary. I think it's it's here. It's coming. It's coming to a team near you. Hopefully, it doesn't hit your team. You know, that's that's all we can say at this point. We already, I think, we saw come across a listserv today. The first COVID cancellation out there, um, and there's probably more coming. Well, you know, interestingly enough maybe this is just a theory, but the gasoline on the uh, realignment of college sports, which affects women's soccer, but has nothing to do with women's soccer. Um, if these schools lose ticket revenue and maybe booster revenue again, it continues to magnify the media rights money yeah. that they do get. So you know, as we get into this next phase of realignment where people are willing to jump out of longstanding relationships, it's for survival. And we're going to, to me, if, if they lose the football revenue again, in terms of ticket revenue, it's going to speed up the process of 
other schools doing the same thing Texas and Oklahoma did, which is hard to argue. They, they're, they're just being uh, trying to survive themselves or prosper themselves. So I think we could see it's that if we do lose a good portion of this, we're going to see realignment speed up. So give me your give me your um, one minute realignment thought process, big picture. You know, because I don't know. I think you know too. Brian is a he's a big thinker. He's a big thinker, and he, he uh, loves the conspiracies. He loves the conspiracies theory, and he's not afraid to put it out there. So, Brian, here's your time. Well, yeah, Matt likes to call it a big thinker. I like to call it. I have ears and a brain. <laughs> so, and I, so I can read. Yeah. The, I, you know, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's complicated. Then the most interesting thing to me is I think college football's most similar doppelganger in the in the world, especially in the South, Southern college football, is European soccer. It's yes. Very territorial. It's, um, but it's it had been rooted in all for one, one for all NCAA, 350, 360 schools, which mimics the old football association in, in England. And 25 years ago, Man United and the big teams decided, why are we sharing all this money with Luton Town and Gloucester City and um, the small clubs? And I think that's where college football has been moving, is more of an EPL-type setup where the revenue is is more directly shrunk into the teams that generate the revenue um that's just like the smaller teams in in the football leagues around the world uh they're going to get a smaller cut of the pie but they're going to stay involved because you still have the historical side of it that that the big teams need they need opponents and they need that tradition uh to keep it alive but we're headed toward a 20 to 30 team college football super league and the NCAA will handle the basketball tournament because that's where they make all their money and everything else will, will get the autonomy they keep talking about. And there'll be 30 teams playing major college football and um, getting the revenues from that piece of it. Well, will teams, well, teams get relegated? <laughs> <laughs> Not American thing. Awesome. No. No. I don't see see that happening in the U.S. But um, I think you're right. I think you're right, Brian. I I think it's gonna it's gonna narrow. Uh, Going to be less teams at the top, sharing less teams sharing a bigger pot. Hmm. Um, Right. The big thing will be what's the net effect on the smaller sports, like soccer. Right. You know what? What is what do we look like in ten years? Because you do need Santa Clara just won the national championship in women's soccer. Uh, do they even have a football team? Does they anybody don't. know? They don't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a different world, but the NCAA will still exist um, to sponsor our, our sports, but what they'll look like is interesting. Where are you on? Matt, t- what do you think? Where are you on? What do you t- think is going to happen, Matt? I, I, uh, I'm not thinking that far ahead. I think. You're a dreamer until, until I see it in front of me. That's when I'll act on it. Brian, where are you on Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso? Yeah. Best show on TV. Oh, yeah? Wow. Okay, Chris. 
Fantastic. I didn't see that coming from you guys. I was going to take that side, and unfortunately, now I can't take that side because you're both agreed. <laughs> That's great. I think you fancy yourself as a Ted Lasso. Right? I think I think that you guys fancy me as a Ted Lasso, and I, I'm surprised that you give him so much credit. I thought for sure, oh, so stupid, never worked, blah, 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 because you're, you know, negative one and negative two, but positive Maddie, positive Maddie is kind of right. Really <laughs> <positive. laughs> Yeah, it's a TV show. Remember, it's a TV show. It's not real world, okay? There it is. There it is. Well, you could send it. All my listeners, there it is. That's what I knew was coming with Chris. In no way he can think that could be real world. God forbid. God forbid someone's. Uh, you know, you've kind of got Beebs as, as Nathan. I'm familiar with the character. Beebs is Nathan. Uh, Tomo, you know, that's a strong, uh, is his name Beard? Coach Beard? Is that yeah, Coach Beard, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you're Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, uh, it fits. It fits. I need to lose some weight. Anyway, all right, Brian, we've had enough of your time and enough that's of your time. Uh, great job kicking off. Any any uh, thoughts for uh, Coach Kikorian coming up? God, Chris, we didn't even mention that. He's our guest yet. But we have uh, Mark Kikorian coming uh, up next, Florida State head coach. Thoughts? Uh, I am very excited about round two on this with Coach Krikorian. Uh, not because he wasn't excellent on round one, but I think you two may be the most improved interviewers oh. I've uh, come across. Oh. So I think this one's going to go next level. Oh, There's a lot right. of layers to Coach Krikorian that have not been uh, peeled back. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you two are just the two to uh, – Get to the bottom of that. Oh, we're diving, out why, we're uh, diving in. We'll get after it. Why he's the best coach in college soccer. Let's see what you can do. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what he thinks of Ted Lasso. Chris, maybe we'll have to ask him. <laughs> uh, all right, Brian. Thanks so much. All for right. Good, luck. Good luck tomorrow, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah. You too. Bye. Yeah. All right, Chris. Certainly excited to, to bring back a guest that we've had on before. Uh, did a wonderful job the first time. I'm not sure you and I did such a wonderful job, as Brian so eloquently pointed out, but uh, we're certainly happy to have the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, Mark Corian, back with us on College Soccer Nation. Hi, Mark. How are you? Yeah, doing good. How are we doing, boys? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, I want to first, Mark, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm a little surprised that you came on <laughs> since uh, Matt we asked him to name his favorite episodes and he named every episode except for the one you were on. So I didn't know if you'd do it, but I appreciate your professionalism. Well, Chris, you know, just about anything for you. I'm, I'm not even sure what the co-host, uh, what his name is. Uh, <laughs> I did some, I'm necessarily sure what, uh, what's going on, but no, nah, it's, uh, it's always good to share a few minutes with you guys. All right. Well, I want to start with, uh, uh, Let's uh, wrap up last season a little bit. I want to ask, I got a, uh, a few questions for you about, about last year. Um, and I guess the, the first question I have for you is basically you didn't lose a game all year. Uh, if I, do I remember do I have that right? I mean, a couple of, you know, a couple of ties, right? Those are ties, the, uh, the penalties. Um, you didn't lose a game all year, and, and, but you didn't win a national champ. You didn't win the national championship. Do you consider the season – a success? Yeah, I think it was a success. Uh, 
I think that for all of us, measuring last year is a little bit hard to do with the way the, the year went with it being the COVID year, you know, starting training in July uh, for us, ending uh, the ACC tournament in November, starting again in January and, and ending up losing in the final um, in mid-May. It was really an interesting year and trying to find balance and all of that and trying to, 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 to deal with all of the different issues that came up and uh, within your own team, with an opponent's team, trying to uh, go through the testing protocols, trying to keep everyone safe uh, uh, and, and uh, injury free was, was another aspect of it. So uh, I, it was a successful year. Are we disappointed to have lost in the final? We're absolutely disappointed to lose in the final, but at the end of the day, I thought that our kids uh, performed very well throughout the course of the, a very non-traditional season. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the effort they put in in the season that we had, uh, but certainly disappointed that we weren't able to uh, to hold on in the end uh, against a, a very good Santa Clara team. Yeah, sure. Um, the, uh, the decision in the spring, how did you come to the decision? Why did you come to the decision to not play – any of the college teams and just play the, the professional teams? Well, I think there were a lot of different uh, elements that led into it. First of all, not a whole lot of teams wanted to play us. So <laughs> that, that, that kind of limits it to start with. Um, and then from a second uh, point of view, we, we look at it and so many of the kids that come from Florida State have an interest of being pros. And we knew that we had a very different situation this past spring uh, when it was clear that the NCA was going to judge us based on the performance we had in the fall. So the only thing we would have done was hurt our positioning had we played and not got a win against anyone through the course of the spring. Um, and of course, the opportunity to play, um, you know, the Orlando Pride twice and to play race in Louisville twice. Uh, for our kids to play against full pros uh, four games, uh, I just thought that's way too good of an opportunity to to pass up. And um, I think it helped us. It helped them. And uh, I think it was really valuable to us that uh, our kids went out and competed and learned a lot. I mean, the speed that those players played with and the, the physicality and the technical quality and, and so on, it was really good for our kids. And, you know, we'll, we will have a lot of our kids that will be able to go and play as pros. And now they've had a really unique experience where, it's not just a one-off. They, they played four times. Uh, and can you imagine you get on the field and you have Alex Morgan and you have Martin and you have Sidney LaRue and Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger, and you get a chance to play against those kids a couple of times. It's, you know, uh, I just, it's so non-traditional and it doesn't happen often that we had to take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I think it was a, it was an interesting choice, but certainly I think it was a, it made sense when, when you, especially is the way that you explain it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Santa Clara game um, because the, the tactics you chose in the game were different than maybe what we saw a year from your team. Um, and, and maybe what we, we typically, typically see, see from your team. You know, we had talked um, actually, I think it was the morning of the game and um you had said to me, oh, what do you think? And what do you think about Santa Clara? And I said, well, I think we got to find a way to control those two front players. Um, I didn't expect you to choose the tactic that you chose. Um, but how, so how did you come to, to, to that decision to play, to play that way and, and, and mark those players and things like that? 
Well, we went old school, didn't we? It, you sure uh, did. You know, playing with some marking players and uh, kind of a, a sweeper of sorts uh, uh, as well. It was clear that what you saw, what the rest of the, the, the country saw, we also saw with the quality of those front kids. That Turnbull kid, she is a special one. And uh, um, we knew that we had to figure something out to really limit her. Uh, we also knew how good they were in transition. They were quick uh, in transition. And if we took the big open shape that we oftentimes do in the attack, that uh, there would be gaps, it'd be seams, and it would be uh, – probably playing into their hands. We, we kind of felt that if we could control the front kids, um, that we could probably control the game. And for a large part of the game, we're able to do that. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, they are a very talented team. They're an explosive team. Um, so quick on, on the counter. And, uh, you know, their game against Carolina, when we saw that, we thought, okay, these guys, uh, these young women, we really need to pay attention to those front players. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, you know, it's, it's easy to look back on it. Again, you didn't lose the game, right? The game ended up being being a tie, right? And and uh, it did get to penalties, and your team had done uh, quite well on penalties against against Duke in the in the round before that, um, and and certainly not as well in in, in that final and. I can't, it was just recently where we were talking, and I believe your son Michael chimed in about how your team wasn't very good on penalties, and I pointed <laughs> out that he had forgot about the Duke game. <laughs> yeah, Duke and Virginia, right? We had Duke, Virginia, and uh, Santa Clara, so it was uh, uh, quite a quite a run, and, um, and it, 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 it's not easy, as you know. Uh, hard to uh, it's a tough way to win with penalties, and it's a much worse way to lose with penalties. Hi, Mark. My name's Matt Mott. I'm one of the other guys on the show. Uh, it's nice where, where do you, you coach? <laughs> it's nice to get you on, and Chris hammers you straight away about, oh, how did you not win it? And I mean, the negative part of the season. That's really, you know, again, that's I'm the, I, you call me the more jolly guy of the show, for sure. I'm much more happy and positive. But anyway, I do have some questions. One of the, I would think, the cornerstones of, of your program and the way you play is possession and shape. Right. Talk to us a little bit about the methods that you use to possess the ball and some of the things that are important to you when you're kind of setting up training sessions and, and even looking at your team and how uh, how you look to kind of create that and then and then master it. Well, Matt, one of the things I'll say, say to you, and I mean this with full sincerity, is understanding when and where on the field to possess the ball and um, when not to possess the ball is a key element in it. And, you know, every, most every team in the country wants to fancy themselves and call themselves a possession team and this and that. And for many of the teams, the possession that they keep is when there's no pressure. And as soon as the pressure comes, well, then they're, they're, they're booting the ball. So the first part of it for me, and it's a philosophical uh, point in, in my mind is, I know that there's a risk in us being a possession team and holding the ball under pressure. Uh, and I'm willing to accept that risk. And we may give away a goal. We may give away a chance. Honestly, in the national final, probably we played a ball that we shouldn't have played uh, that ended up costing us. It uh, ended up being the, the opportunity that uh, Turnbull needed to, to score the goal. So, uh, And for me, I'm willing to accept that. 
So I think, first of all, it has to be one of those things where you look at it philosophically as a coach, what are you willing to live with and what are you not willing to live with? And for me, I'm willing to live with the idea that we could make a mistake and that mistake could live to uh, lead to a direct goal. I also clear, clear an understanding that some, some folks are of the opinion that if we put the ball in their half of the field or in their penalty box, well, we don't have to worry about them scoring on our goal. So the direct play is um, more favorable to uh, their level of accepting um, the, that risk, right? So for me, I look at it and we're going to play out. We are going to play through pressure. Uh, but now it kind of goes to the meat of what your question was. For me, it's about passing angles and passing distances and body shape. In other words, how are you receiving the ball? Are you receiving a ball so that you can play out of pressure? Or are you receiving the ball and uh, putting yourself back in a spot where they can easily uh, compact the field around you and then dispossess you? So I think that, um, you know, we have, uh, I have here on my staff, uh, uh, Japanese coach, Imaizume, uh, Mike Bristol as well. And we're all committed to this style. And I think that um, some of what Ima has brought with him from Japan, if you've watched the Japanese play, is this idea of very good spacing and uh, some of the subtleties that go along with that. And I think that probably when you put our philosophies together um, with the technical quality that our kids have and our willingness to take some risk, well, you have the opportunity to go ahead and play a, a possession style. But like I said, it can bite you pretty hard. It can bite you really hard if you give away that goal that uh, uh, if you just kicked it up the field, well, probably you don't give that goal away. So let me ask you this, Mark, follow-up. When you're in recruiting, do you specifically look for players that you know understand that or, or have, a, have some level of understanding of it? Or do you realize when they come into Florida State, there has to be a lot of teaching, even you know the simple parts of possession – or is that something that's really important to you as you're watching them recruiting, besides all the other things in recruiting? Yeah, I, I don't think that um, we're not going to recruit or not recruit a kid based on whether or not their their team is playing a, um, a technical style or if their spacing is great or whatever. You know, most of the kids, when they come in, probably the same to, to both your program and Chris' program, they're going to have some good fundamentals. Otherwise, you wouldn't have recruited them. Sure. But when it comes to some of the specifics of the technique and of the tactics, you're going to adjust them and you're going to tweak whatever elements it is that you don't see. So one of the things that we've done, though, is you know we've kind of looked at our team and, and identified some of the key uh, pieces and how it is that we want to play. And if we're taking a big open attacking shape, um, well, risk management counterattack is an important factor for us to be dealing uh, with. So if we do give a ball away, which we will give a ball away, how is it that we're going to deal with it? And, and sometimes um, it's making sure that we have athleticism in the right spots. And, you know, it, it's important for us to be able to take that big attacking shape to be able to keep the ball. But if we do, when we do lose the ball, we need to be able to recover as well. I have one more, Chris, before we let you jump in. So, Let's just, just out of curiosity, Mark, if you have, if you take a week of training is a hundred percent. Okay. What percentage of that training do you guys spend on possession at Florida state? Uh, possession? Possession, possession activities, possession activities, spacing, passing, any of those kind of things. Yeah. It depends on the team and the year. 
with last year we had a veteran team this year we have a veteran team we're spending more more time on bigger number activities which includes possession so you know i don't know if i can give you an exact percentage but what i'll say is there have been other years where we've had a lot of new kids and um, we haven't uh, felt as though we've had enough of a core and that's when we've really gone back and spent a lot of time on those individual principles that you were referring to before. Like uh, you're looking at recruiting kids. Well, what is it? Well, now we're able to do it. And, and honestly, even when we were doing our one versus one, two versus two defending uh, the other day, um, you know, part of my message was, hey, you veteran players, coach them, tell them, you know, I, it's much easier if we get four or five of our veteran players also telling them the same message that I'm telling them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to hear it. And they're going to hear it from uh, their the teammate. And it's all very positive. It's not a, a criticism in any way. It's more, hey, show them what we're talking about in the body shape that we're looking for and the angle of approach and the speed and wh- where to slow down and stuff like that. So, from our point of view with our team last year and our team this year, with having experienced t- players, we have 10 starters back from our team last year. It's We're going in and we're starting to do more work with bigger numbers than we would typically do um, if we had more younger players. Sure. So how, um, how have you handled this quick turnaround, right? I mean, you guys were playing late in May. Yeah. Um, the next thing you know, it's it's the first of August, and you're back at it, which is not typical for a college soccer season. Yeah, you know, when our season ended, uh, we, uh, as a staff, we all got together and talked with the strength and conditioning coaches, the medical uh, folks, probably just as you guys did, and trying to look at how is it that we're going to deal with this this calendar. And uh, most of our kids took about three weeks off. And then they went to wherever it was that they were going to go. And in the summer, our kids are all off playing somewhere, training somewhere, doing something. And honestly, Chris, our kids came back. It's the most fit collection of uh, players that we've ever had, um, which also could concern you, right? You, you kind of look and say, all right, so now they're all back and they're all match fit and they're all ready to go. Well, that's great, but we need to peak them in November. We, we don't want to peak them in you know, September or October. So for all of us uh, looking at all the metrics, looking at all the numbers and trying to find balance and all of that is, is going to be an important element. And um, we've probably had more off time already in preseason this year than we've ever had before. But part of that is because they came back so fit. So, you know, part of the, the, the preseason for us, and I'm sure for you guys is playing those kids into the fitness that you need for the game. If they're already there, and we continue to do as we would normally do, are we setting them up for uh, some fatigue later in the season? So it's, I, I don't know if we're going to get it right or not. I have absolutely no idea, but I'll tell you, we're talking about these numbers every day after training. Yeah. That's a good, uh, brings me into this. Tell me about, um, give us a little preview of your team. What, what is your team going to look like? Where do you feel your, your strengths are? Where do you feel you still have some work to do to give us an idea of, of your team going into the season? So we have probably more depth this year than we've ever had. And I thought that we had a lot of depth last year. So we've helped ourselves with our recruits. We have, oh, I don't know, five or six kids that have come in that are all, they're all showing pretty good early in preseason. Um, We had, as I said, 10 starters come back. And then there was um, uh, one or two others that were hurt through the course of the year that weren't available in the spring that are available as well. 
So honestly, as I sit here, um, we've had a lot of discussion about how is it that we're going to put this group together? How are we going to manage them? How are we going to keep them happy um, in terms of playing time? Um, you know, we've talked uh, with, with some folks about uh, how the men do it in Europe with uh, playing their season and then Champions League and, and, and trying to find that balance of rotating rosters and, and so on. Um, but also finding the rhythm of play. So I'm sure that in your discussion about the U.S. Uh, uh, team and, um, and um, you know, their run in the Olympics, one of the parts of the discussion were probably about them not really finding a rhythm uh, through their play and um, never probably playing at their finest, right? Maybe in the last game, the bronze medal game, it was a little bit closer to the level that everyone thought they would play at. So I do think there is that element of getting consistency in the, the approach that you're taking and finding some sort of a rhythm. And that's one of the things that does uh, concern me as I look at this by having a big roster with a lot of kids that could start and could, could play a lot of minutes. So I think that we'll be very good uh, defending. Um, we have um, our, our entire back four. Well, we will as soon as our gold medalist, Gabby Carl, gets back. We'll have um, our back four. Uh, back intact. We have uh, our goalkeeper back, and we've added another very talented goalkeeper. Um, and then in the midfield, uh, I think that uh, we, we will be very, very good again. And, uh, um, you know, last year there were games where uh, teams play, played pretty low against us, and um, and we weren't uh, sharp enough breaking them down, and uh, we're going to have to be better. Uh, and I think we will be better. Um, I think both through personnel and through experience, I think our kids, uh, uh, and through video, we're doing an awful lot of work with video on trying to show them some different um, um, ways of breaking down uh, teams that are playing lower blocks. And there were other teams that came out and played against us uh, full field, and they, they were hard to deal with as well. So I think we're probably going to see a, a little bit of each, uh, depending upon who we're playing, and we need to be prepared for both. And what about the league? The ACC, we all know, is... Uh... Quite difficult. What's, what do you see in the league coming coming in this fall? Well, it seems to me, and again, I don't know it. Um, uh, not yet. I haven't really studied any of these other teams' rosters or anything along those lines. But it would appear to me that, again, we're going to be pretty stacked. There's going to be a lot of really good teams that are going to be highly competitive. Um, I think some of the teams, like us, brought back the majority of their players. Um, and... I have no reason to believe that they're not going to be um, equally as uh, as talented as they've been and as we are. And uh, there's going to be an awful lot of very good competition among the teams in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it looks like Virginia's returned, you know, a good a good number of players. Duke has returned a good number of players. North Carolina's had a little bit of turnover, um, you know, but North Carolina, they'll be good. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty amazing, really. Right. And how many years and, uh, you know, playing at the level they have and so many top level finishes, whether, you know, winning the national championship or playing in the final four or national final or whatever. I think it's just incredible what they continue to do over in Carolina. And you're right. I think that they um, they were hit a little bit by uh, kids. Uh, leaving and uh, graduation and so on. And uh, but I, I don't think any of us would ever sell them short. They're going to find a way to be good and they're going to find a way to be competitive. 
think you always got to talk about them as as one of the favorites every year, no matter no matter what happens. Um, is there somebody in the league that you think, you know, you, you sort of have the 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 group at, at the top that's been there for a little bit, right? The teams that we've talked about, you throw Duke in there, maybe you had Clemson in there recently. Is there somebody outside of that group that you think may have the ability to to break into that group? Hmm. You ask a good question. Um, First time I've ever heard that, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I said that to you, not him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, for me, I've considered Clemson in the upper echelon for a while now. I think Eddie's done just a done just a great job with them. Um, but they're, they're the ones that I would suggest can continue to, um, to elevate and and put themselves even higher. Um, I don't know that I have the answer to that question. Um, I think there's a lot of those uh, teams, the the one that's going to be really interesting, probably like SMU is, uh, NC state. Right. Right. I mean, they didn't, they didn't play a game or did they play any games last year? A couple in the spring. Yeah. Some in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but they're going to have a whole new team, a whole new roster. You know, Tony at Wake, it, it seemed like he also had uh, some issues um, with with the international kids not coming back, and now they may be back or or not or whatever. So I think that um, you know Wake's another one that's a bit of an unknown, um, but but I I really don't know who it is that's prepared to make that jump. Sure, sure. Can I ask you a question now, Chris? Come on, keep... Matt. Oh, jeez. Again, Let's make it a good one, all right? You got, you got a pizza Mark. coma going on, don't you? I get again, Mark Matt Mott from uh, College Soccer Nation. <laughs> there again, real quick. You kind of forgot who I was during the Chris's questions. Um, what about what about landscape, national landscape? I feel like you probably have a similar answer, but anybody national landscape that you think will contend um, again? That you you as you look at maybe rosters or knowing who's on their teams, you know, Stanford kind of poised to come back, UCLA, some of those guys, anybody outside the ACC that, um, you know, you feel is going to have a strong team? Um, you know, I probably could answer this better in a month, but I would say that um, anyone that uh, sells Stanford, UCLA, USC, Penn State, or, you know, the collection of uh, teams that have been up and around the top 10, top 20 in the last number of years, if you sell them short, you're probably making a mistake. Um, make no mistake about it. In my mind, uh, last season was absolutely no reflection on Stanford or Cal or any of those teams out there. I think that while everyone had it a little bit tough with COVID, uh, the, those teams in that area had it much harder than than many of us did. And um, I think uh, if anyone goes into this season playing, preparing to play against Stanford and thinks, oh, well, they're not that good anymore. <laughs> you're going to get a heck of a wake-up call. I'll tell you that because I, my money says that at the end of the season, they're going to be playing. So they'll be around somewhere. Yeah. And Santa Clara returns a lot of players too. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Santa Clara has become an obvious one, right? I mean, you, yeah. you can't forget about that. Uh, what a great yeah. run they went on to beat all of us in the ACC last year and uh, and to, to find their way onto the, uh, uh, into the, the gold. Yeah. I mean, don't you think though too, it's like, you know, they just got on a run and just the players bought in, they believed and and they just had a, just a special, special couple of weeks there. There's no question about it, but super talented for sure. All right. A um, couple just last things, Mark. Uh, you know, obviously a sad, sad day down in Tallahassee 
this weekend with the passing of, of Bobby Bowden. And I think all of us that are in college athletics um, just respect the heck out of him and, and what he did for, for college football, but really college athletics. I mean, he talked about an icon, you know, him with the Pat Summits of the world. I mean, he's just as Bear Bryant or whoever. He's a big icon as there, there's ever been. So just a story or two about him, if you wouldn't mind uh, to share with us. Yeah, what a wonderful man. Um, you know, I've said it a few times that um, um, I think for all of us, our hope and dream uh, ought to be that our legacy is for people, for our former players and our colleagues and our opponents and everyone to think about us, like all of us here, think about Coach Bowden. Just a fantastic coach and a better person. Um, just before COVID, I had the opportunity uh, that we have a professor on campus. It's a soccer guy. That um, his name is Lance Kerwin, and um, he is—he's um, become a family friend now. He's—he's—he's um, um, he's, he's a coach here in town, and my wife and he have become friends, and and so on. And uh, Lance is out in the mornings walking around campus. He'll pop in. We'll have a cup of coffee together and, and speak. And a really smart guy. So maybe two years ago, he approached me with an idea. Hey, you know, Mark, uh, for our analytics convention, we'd, we're, we're trying to get Bobby Bowden to come and speak at this. And um, in an interview format, and we'd like you to be the person that interviews him. Would yeah. you do I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I got a chance to sit with Coach Bowden for an hour and ask him questions about anything and everything. So we showed up at this, and it was probably in February before the um, before COVID came. And uh, I got there a little bit early, and who comes walking in but Coach Bowden? And he and I had 15 minutes or so to just sit and talk and uh, and uh, share some time and. Uh, for me, I'm always about picking people's brains and asking about uh, different elements and leadership or or player um, management or whatever. So we did that, and then we went on the stage for an hour. And um, I had a chance to sit there and ask him uh, be, be in front of, I don't know, three, 400 people, um, I guess, um, ask all kinds of different questions. The interesting part that was really uh, challenging for me was you know, I had written all these questions up and, hey, you know, okay, about analytics. Well, back in those days, of course, there weren't really analytics. So um, so I had written all these questions up and I said, hey, can I get him the question so that he's kind of going to know what I, what I want to talk about? Ah, oh, Coach Bob, he's a pro. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, just show up and he'll carry the conversation. It's no problem, which, of course, he would. Yeah. So I show up and uh, sitting there and uh, in that 15 minutes, I say, hey, Coach, just a quick question. What did you guys do with the, you know, this idea of analytics? Are you familiar with it? And, you know, it's a different generation and so on. And he said, ah, I didn't pay any attention to that. <laughs> so now I'm going out there and I have my, all my questions. And I got to come up with the questions for him live in front of these 300 people on analytics. And uh, it's an analytics convention. But uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, steer the conversation for him to talk a little bit about some of the um, – the great successes that he had here as a coach and as a person and so on um, and let him just take care of the conversation. He, 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 he made me look okay. I can tell you that uh, I just needed to get the heck out of the way and let the master do his work. But it was a sad day on Sunday, Matt, all of us here in Tallahassee uh, um, have such respect for him far beyond the coaching part. I mean, like I said, if uh, you know, just a, Great coach and a better person. 
So I want to just go back to one thing you said about that, and, and great tribute certainly to him. But you said, you know, whenever you meet with anybody or talk with anybody, you'd like like to ask them questions, pick their brain, trying to – you never ask me any questions. You know, I, I don't understand. That's that. not true. That's <laughs> not true. Any time that we're going out to eat, who do I call? Uh, that's true. Good point. Good. Excellent point. Well, I, I think the other takeaway from, from that um, was um, – Mark realizing how hard our job here is when we get guests that come on. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. you know how talented you have to be in order to prepare to off, for sure. Yeah. No, no question, Chris. I don't think people can appreciate even people that kind of makes, make uh, requests or make demands uh, coming on to the show. Right. We've had that before. We've had people say, well, I'm not coming on unless you bring this person on or that person. Listen, on. listen you two. Here's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> You got the picker. Yeah. Don't forget about the picker. The public <laughs> wants the picker. I'm sure of it. Well, Mike, I don't understand that all this time you spend in, in that office that you're in, in the soccer and everything you do. People don't think I understand this this love you have for picking. And I don't get how you, I think you just watch it. How, how do you ever have time to go picking? No, I haven't been picking, but I appreciate it. For me, uh, I'm a guy of history. And I look at all of this old stuff and I see such value in it. And it's something that. Um, that I look at and yeah, I, I wish that I had um, some of those different um, things that uh, coach Yelton, the, the, yes. Lord of the rings has. Yes. Well, hold on. So you're telling me you find it interesting that he goes into dumpsters and finds chairs. That's, that's interesting to you. I find it really interesting that he goes into the dumpsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ain't going into any dumpsters. I can tell you that. I do find him going into dumpsters. Interesting too, as well. As you, did a, go, you did go picking for an old Bronco, I remember. Is that right? I don't know if I'd call it picking. I mean, it, the wife looked on the internet and found <laughs> found something, and then we went and bought it. So I did it, 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 make it, it back it, to Tallahassee. I take it. And that's it didn't make it back first. to Tallahassee, isn't that true? What's that? It didn't make it back to Tallahassee. That that Bronco. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little stop at the mechanic along the way. <laughs> well, Mark. Um, Obviously, as always, fantastic job. We appreciate it. And, you know, the one thing as one of the takeaways I have listening to you is you're talking about your team and, and bringing the guys back and, you know, feeling good about the depth and, and squad rotation, that stuff. Everybody that listens to this, that's a college coach across the country goes, oh, they're going to be good again. They're yeah. going to be good again. I, I don't want to schedule them. They're all yeah, saying, exactly. Why are they on my schedule is what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else, Chris? Oh, I think that's great, Mark. I really appreciate you coming on again, especially after Matt dissed you. I, I do appreciate you being being here and uh, great insight again. Yeah, that it's first time. It's a pleasure, boys. And Matt, uh, is that your name? Sorry. Yeah, yeah Matt, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a good memory. You, you <laughs> need to find balance. We need to find balance. Right? Balance is important, Mark. Balance is important. Um, no, you know, I think we weren't as good interviewers back then. I think Chris and I both agree. We, we had you on too early, so we were able to get you back on and kind of dive in a little bit deeper. And you did a great job. We appreciate it. As always, College Soccer Nation, we know you're a, a supporter. We appreciate that as well, too. And then certainly an investor into this big podcast, so we, we appreciate that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are, you guys are you're celebrities. I, to be honest with you, I'm just grateful you keep, continue to speak with me. I figured that once you, you made it big like you guys have and you got the following like you have, all of a sudden it'd be Mark too. 
Who's that guy? Yeah, no, our time is short, Mark. We we won't have any more conversations with you. No year three. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. Listen, thanks again, Mark. We appreciate it. Move on. It was great. All right. We'll see you. Hey, Mark. Take care. Bye. Okay, Matt. Big week coming up. What are you looking forward to this week? Yeah, real quick, Mark was great, as I think we knew he would be. A lot of fun talking with him, so I enjoyed that. Uh, this week, I got a big match. Big match tomorrow against the SMU Mustangs. The The ponies are going to come out and run all over the track on us. So, we're uh, no, I'm excited for a game, and then we'll head back home right after and, and uh, you know, regular kind of finish up the week of uh, training. We actually got a couple of days coming off, coming, a couple of day, off days coming up. Here, Chris, uh, in our in the way that we do things, so that I think will be good for the players. But excited to continue on with preseason. How about you? Well, we have another one. So we we have you know the big game tomorrow night with you guys, and then we we go to TCU on on Saturday, which uh, should be a fun one as well. Uh, really, you know, good tests for us these games where we're going to find out a lot about our team. Um, we're gonna we're gonna challenge our team. We've already played once. We played. Know, a, a group of boys from from the local solar club and you got really challenged there and stretched and and i know that's going to happen here you know a couple of times again this week so i'm excited to get the team out there playing to learn some things about them and try to figure out how we're going to move forward yeah that's it's a real advantage it really is um to play those kind of preseason games good for you all right it's time chris it's i have been waiting for this for months and months and months us and you know think about it, we didn't we ended season one without a few uh, a few competitions, and now summer. And now we're finally season two, and the bat we bring back the Power Five. And for those of you that are new listeners, welcome, welcome to College Soccer Nation. Uh, but those are people that have listened to us before. They know we like to compete. You and I don't agree on much, so this is always a fun time. We have a list of five things they're called the Power Five, and then we've done you know TV shows and artists and whatever but this week for season two i think it makes sense we as the top five olympic events not sports so not like gymnastics but like an activity in gym an event in gymnastics that you'd win a gold medal for right summer olympics right we did summer, the summer olympics, olympics in the past right. summer, summer and i think here's here's one thing i'll say about the power five for all the listeners i typically go with what I like the best what I personally appreciate, which I, you know, it's I, 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 it's kind of how I roll. Chris goes much more with the masses, right? What does everybody like? And he Googles all this stuff. And sorry, mine's much more personal. Chris is much more boring. And, and then we find, and we find out how stupid yours are, right? <laughs> when you, when then you say they're yours, you know, and we go, man, that's really dumb. All right. Well, let's get to it. Shall we? Let's get to it. Now, you want to start? I'll go first. Now, you, go. you go. All right, go ahead. I just wanted to say this first. Um, I didn't pick this one, but I thought about taking water polo. But uh, I was afraid the horse was going to drown, so I decided not to do that. The what was going to drown? The horse. <laughs> <laughs> so <You> stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. You're laughing. You're laughing. I am. It's so stupid. I can't believe it. that's something I would say. You wouldn't say that. It's so stupid. All right. My number, my number five. Number five. Um, I'm going with boxing, but like, I think they call them the flyweights, like the little guys, right? Is that flyweight boxing? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about boxing very well, but that's that's a uh, 
Why? why? The little guys they never knock each other out. Yeah, but they're moving quick, you know, and they're they're ah. hitting, they're, they're hitting and punching, ah. moving, and all that kind of stuff. The big the big heavyweights, it's so yeah. slow. It's so yeah, heavyweights where it's that's fun. One hit and you're down. Oh, I like the heavyweights. Ah, that's a terrible one. Uh, my, num- my number five, my number yeah. five, is you know for you know many months of the year, my favorite sport, golf. It's nice to have golf in the Olympics. I'm a big golfer. Love to golf. Golf's a big fan. Going with golf, number five. I, I think that's boring as it can be. Like it is no different than any other tournament, than any other golf tournament. In no. fact, in fact, it's like it's like not as prestigious as many of the golf tournaments. Neither is the flyweight boxing. Not prestigious at all. Please. All right, number four. Number four. I, I'm I'm interested to hear your reaction to this one because you know you fancy yourself many times and in a lot of different things, right? I do. So um, I'm going with table tennis. Oh my god, that's my number four. <laughs> I don't think no way in the world you picked that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. Those guys are flying all around. Oh, unbelievable. No, a little different than you play though. No, but being a you know being a big time table and and actually you know I um played Coach Kukorian in table tennis. Took back, took him back of the woodshed table tennis. But anyway, um, I fancy myself a good table tennis player. I do, but oh my god, it's not close. <laughs> Unbelievable. The rally. Stand there. Those guys move. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. <laughs> I'm left-handed, Chris. I'm deadly, deadly with the left hand. So that's my number four. Wow, that's that is shocking. And you got it number four. All right, number three, Chris. Go ahead. Number three, you'll never have this one. You'll never have this one because I'm not sure you can appreciate it. Okay. Um, team handball. Oh, stop. Team handball. Awesome. Have you seen those guys throw that ball? Hold on. Hold on. What do you get more mad at than anything? And as a Texas, I'm like, we need to do something fun, Chris. Let's do handball. And you yeah, because it's not soccer. You can't do handball. It's stupid when you play it in soccer. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you can handball. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, for all listen, when I worked with Chris, we could never, never when, when I'd say before, oh, guess what warm up? I was at a session. Guess what warm up they did? Chris said, handball. It was so stupid. Yeah, everybody would, stu- would do it, and it's dumb. I mean, it's got nothing to do with soccer. It's not soccer. Oh. But it is fun to watch on the Olympic level. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know my number three is? Yeah, go ahead. The 100-meter hurdles, 110-meter hurdles. How they can run that fast and jump. Those are unbelievable athletes. You know, I like watching the track and field, but that one's probably my favorite because it's unbelievable what they're doing, the men and the women. So 110 high hurdles is my number three. Okay. All right. Fine. Number two. All right. See, and again, like you're not going to be able to appreciate these things because, you know, you're not quite sophisticated enough to that. I like the uh, track cycling sprint event. What is that? I don't you don't know. even know what it is. See? No, no, no. you get two guys on the, on the what's it called? The velodrome. And, you know, the, the track. And it's a sprint. It's like two laps. But, like, at one point, like, they almost stop, right? Because they want to try to draft off the other guy and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. It's kind of like um, the uh, the um, speed skating, isn't it? Like that kind of track? Is there not? Um, well, there's not ice. No, I get that, but doesn't. <laughs> but it's banked. It's a banked track. It's yeah, a banked yeah. track. Bank, yeah. bank track. All right. Fine. You know what my number two is? Well, you're not going to appreciate this either because you can't do it. You never been able to do it, and I obviously was very good at it. So you're going to think it's stupid. But the new 10k swim. 
That is no joke, Chris. It's like a marathon in the water. 10K swim. It's, you watch. It's your favorite? You watch the whole thing? How long does it take? Oh, it takes a long time, a couple of hours. So you don't watch the whole thing? Yeah, I had it on. You watched it for two hours. You watched all the bank biking or whatever the heck that thing was called. <laughs> Those races take like 30 seconds. How much of it did you watch? I only had one race. It was unbelievable. 10K swim, Chris. So you, wait. So for two hours, you sat there and watched them freaking doggy paddling around. I had it on, but listen, it's about swimming. It's about the art of it's swimming. It's supposed to be your favorite. If you don't watch it, how could it be your favorite? I was in the Coast Guard. We used to, used to train like that. In the, they're in the ocean swimming. It's unbelievable. Uh, that's that's I think if I were, I didn't pick any swimming events, but if I were going to pick uh, a swimming event, I would have picked like the medley where they have to do all the different types, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think that's kind of exciting. It's a good one. Okay. Last one. Number one. I'm gonna, are you going to love my number one? Your number one is the 100 meter dash. Pure speed. Fastest man, fastest woman in the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's again mainstream, normal, not surprising at all. That's well, I mean, what, who doesn't enjoy that? Yeah, I do. I do enjoy it. It's really, it's really unbelievable. All right, my number one. This ought to be interesting. So listen, I want you to have an open mind, Chris, for once in your Please, life. Please, no, no, oh gosh, right. And I want you to think about what goes into this event and how difficult it is and how impressive they are. It's unbelievable. Synchronized swimming. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Chris, they're upside down in the water. They can't hear synchronizing with another person. Have you ever really watched it? They're on. And people joke. Oh, my God. Are, are just jerks because it is unbelievably <laughs> difficult. I'm not saying it's not difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. I, I'm sure it's very difficult. Sure it's very difficult. That doesn't mean it's my favorite. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I mean the chess is difficult. Is, is that your favorite to watch chess? Well, I do like watching a nice chess match. No, you don't. You've never watched a chess match in your life. <laughs> All, right. All right. So anyway, let's go through my, my five. Golf, table tennis. 110 hurdles, 10K swim, which is endurance, unbelievable. And then unbelievably talented people that can synchronize swim underwater. Can't. I can't, I cannot, I can't, I could not sit there and watch that. Oh, that's unbelievable. Not that. unbelievable. All, All right. right, my five go. Um, number one was the 100 meter dash. Number two, track cycling sprint. Number three, team handball. Number four, table tennis. Number five, we went with flyweight boxing. Weak. All right, we need to take this out. This has been a great start to season two, Chris. So happy to be back, back in the mics. Um, again, we appreciate all of our sponsors. We'll have those on soon. Um, and everybody's on. Brian was great. Uh, Mark was phenomenal, as, as always. Excited to get – it was fun to get back in deeper with him. I like to have, appreciate him coming on for – another episode. So appreciate that. Uh, thank our producer, Darren, DJM Productions. Uh, Chris, we're back. We're back. We are back. back. And better than ever. Back and better than ever. We'll see you next. Or will you hear from us next Monday night? College Soccer Nation podcast. Download it everywhere you can. Apple, iPod, any of that kind of stuff. Please give us five stars and uh, we'll see you next week. Good luck in your game tomorrow, Chris. Yeah, you too, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
Synchronized <laughs> swimming, gosh. Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.